The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. saved us from our sins, our lives are now in God. We desire the Holy Word to order where we trod. All for Christ, yet anything for self we count as dross. We're pilgrims with a crown With our Bibles open today to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 8. We're continuing our study on Christ and the condescension. We saw it to be an act of grace, an act of God, and an act of goodness. Today, we begin with an act of generosity. First, a word of prayer, and then 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Father, I come now in Jesus' name. Help us to proclaim your dear Son today. Speak to hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. An act of generosity. That last statement in the verse, that ye, through his poverty, might be rich. Obviously, Christ did not leave us an inheritance of physical wealth and health. He left a far greater blessing in the realm of spiritual things, and the believer enters into these riches in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3, he condescended for the purpose of going to the cross. Philippians 2.8, one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 2.9, that he, that Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. I'm glad he tasted death for me, for you, for my children, for my wife, 
for my family, for my friends, for my foes. Yes, he tasted death for every man. And now we can enjoy and experience the blessings of God and the gospel of Christ upon our repentance toward God and our faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. These are essential to salvation. Mark 1, 14, 15, Acts 20, 21, Acts 16, 30, and 31, Acts 17, verse 30. But God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And so God does a great and mighty thing for those who call on his name in faith. He redeems them from all their iniquities, gives them a new name, and gives them a new nature. And he calls them brethren. What a glory and a mercy that Jesus Christ would call us brethren. What riches we now possess and share in because we are his brethren. This is the generosity of God. First, we are heirs, according to Galatians 3, verses 26 through 29, Galatians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. Or, as an heir, we are one who obtains a lot or portion, especially of an inheritance. We are not only heirs, but we are joint heirs, Romans eight fourteen through 17. Therefore, we are co-heirs with Christ or we are heirs together, and then we are with Christ as an heir of all things. Yes, through his poverty, we might be rich. God has saved us if we've called on his name, trusted him by faith, placed us in his family, and then apportioned us to an inheritance in Christ and with Christ, and because of Christ. Yes, brethren, God is good. Not only an act of generosity, but his condescension was an act of guarantee. We should think of our sin as it really is and see it in the same way that God sees it. You see, Hollywood would have you call it an affair on what I call their spitcoms, you know, sitcoms, even if those things are even on TV anymore. Uh, But it's not an affair, brethren. It's adultery. The world would have you call it transgender or perhaps homosexuality. The Bible declares it to be of Sodom, and it is an abomination before God. The world would have you call it alcoholism, but God calls it drunkenness. The world would have you call it larceny, but God calls it theft. You see what I mean? Sin is exceeding sinful in the sight of God. And the scripture really shows sin to be an imperishable bondage or something that just will not go away. It's not going to just get better. It's not going to die off. It's an imperishable bondage that has you incarcerated. Yes, it is an impossible burden that you just can't rid yourself of. It's on your back, and you just can't get rid of it. It's weighing you down. It's pushing you under. It's 
pulling you under. It's dragging you down to hell. Sin is an immeasurable debt. You think about the debt of the United States of America. I don't know how many trillions, I believe it is, the debt we owe. Who can measure such a debt? Now multiply that by infinity, but then divide it individually to every single man and realize that sin is an immeasurable debt that no man can ever repay. Thank God Jesus took my debt in his own body, in my sins. He took my debt upon his own body, took it to the tree, and paid the price. And he is the ransom for my soul and for my salvation, for your soul, for your salvation, and not for ours only. Not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Christ is that propitiation. But then sin, according to this wonderful book, even the Bible, is an impassable distance that you will never be able to cross. Try it with all your might, friend, and you'll never jump across the Grand Canyon. Now again, multiply that exponentially. And then see your sin as a great chasm, a great gulf that divides between you and God. It's a distance that you'll never cross. But thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. He is the one who cancels out that distance. But then sin is like an incurable disease. You think of leprosy in the Bible, that disease of flesh that rots off the body. Sin is likened unto leprosy. And your sin will eventually rob you of your health, rob you of your strength, and rob you of your life. And eventually sin and unbelief will land you in the darkness of hell that goes on forever and forever and forever. Listen to the end of a man's sin. Proverbs 5 and verse 22, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. Friend, you may want to hold on to your sin today, but tomorrow you may find that your sin is holding on to you, and you just can't get out from under it. You see, all of that that imperishable bondage, that impossible burden, that immeasurable debt, that impassable distance, that incurable disease, all of this is my sin and yours. Sin and all of those aspects was assumed by Jesus Christ. He took all of our debt and liability unto himself, and he went to the cross. Sin is to be viewed as a debt, not that we owed sin to God, but that we have accrued a large sum in our sins that deserves to be punished. Our Lord likened sin to debt in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. And so Christ, he is the guarantor. He is our surety and our security. Hebrews 7, verse 22. 
when he gave himself a ransom, he took upon himself the complete debt of sinful humanity, and it was paid in full. He is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He gave himself a ransom for all, and he pleased the Lord in the offering of his soul for our sins. Isaiah 53, verse 10, and he has obtained. It's his. He has obtained, bought, and paid for eternal redemption. The condescension of Christ, an act of grace, an act of God, an act of goodness, an act of generosity, but an act of guarantee, brethren, there is no other one who could do what Jesus has already done. I wish men would fly toward Christ and Calvary. Oh, why not repent today? Why not receive Jesus Christ, call on Him as Lord and Savior, and be born again before it's too late? We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.